the Spirit, for the kingdom of God is rising. Yeah, the battle belongs to the Lord. Yeah, the battle belongs to the
Father, we worship you in this house tonight. We give you all the praise, all the glory. Your son deserves all of it. We love you, Master. We love you, Lord Jesus. And we do esteem your word highly. Help us, Spirit of grace to continue to prepare for the days ahead that military mindset ready to do battle in the realm of the spirit knowing Lord the victory's already been won because of what you've done for us we worship you we honor you we glorify you Thank you, Lord Jesus. And all God's people said, I'm ready. Look at your neighbor and say, you better be. Amen. You men. Amen, amen. Thank you, worship team. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Only good things ahead for the church. Amen. Praise God. Well, I know he's got a lot to say tonight. He's a man led by the Spirit. And so I hope your ears are listening ears. Your hearts are good ground. Amen? Amen. Stand up once more. Welcome the gift that's in Apostle Mike Keese. Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you for the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. We thank you, Lord, for the freedom in America to gather together like this anytime we want to without the fear of arrest or persecution, torture, imprisonment, or worse, as it is for many of our brothers and sisters worldwide. Help us not to take these freedoms for granted. We understand that we have a responsibility to whom much is given, much is required. And so we thank you, Lord, tonight that we approach your word with reverence and respect. We thank you that it is a living thing, sharper than any two-edged sword, and will pierce to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intent of our heart. So we ask you tonight, tonight to quicken to us your word, to let the Holy Spirit have free reign within us, to receive revelation knowledge and impartation as needed, so that we leave our service refreshed, and edified, instructed, and if necessary, corrected. But that will leave this place more lethal than ever before for the work of the gospel against the kingdom of darkness and all the deception that lies around us in these last days. We thank you, Lord, for these things in Jesus' name. Everybody that agrees with that said together. Amen. Amen. Have a seat, folks. God bless. Thank you for coming back tonight. I know it was a wonderful Sunday afternoon, and it would be very tempting just to kick back and relax. 
But uh, thank you for choosing the good part to be here. Looks like we have actually have more people tonight than we did this morning, huh? Oh. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Just one more word on this stuff that we have out front before we get into the word, the message. Uh, this book, the message of must, the mandate of must, this talks about eight things in the Bible that you must know, you must do, or you must share with others. The key word here is the word must. This book does not talk about divine suggestions or requests. This book talks about things we must do, we must know, or we must share with other people. If you want to maximize your life, find the things in the Bible that are priority to God and make them priority in your life, and then your life will have meaning and purpose and provision from the Lord. So many Christians, they may love the Lord with all their heart, but they're like ships without a rudder. They're all over the place, okay? Find your lane, run your race, and understand there are certain things in the Bible that are unchanging, no matter where we are, what nation, what nationality, what culture, what the political climate may be or may not be. And this little mini-book talks about that, so if you didn't get it this morning, there are still plenty of these out there. Uh, again, for audio purposes, some people just like to listen rather than read. We have in USB and or CD format this series called End Times Separation. This comes from Romans 1.1. 1, 1. The Apostle Paul was persecuted to an extent that most of us have no idea. Jesus told him, I'm going to show this man what great things he's going to suffer for my name's sake. And he suffered a lot. His life was not easy from the time of his miraculous birth on the road to Damascus until his departure via beheading many, many, many years later. But he went through things. He writes about it in 2 Corinthians chapters 1, 4, 6, and 11, especially chapter 11. He's got a long list of things he went through, and he would not quit, and he would not give up. And the secret to this is found in Romans 1.1, 1, 1, a three-part priority to his life, okay? And we need to understand this. It's all in here, so if you haven't got this, uh, make it a point to invest in this because this will help you sharpen your sword and help you finish to run the race stronger at the end than you were at the beginning. Amen? I want to cross the finish line stronger at the end than I was at the beginning. A lot of people started out strong for Jesus, but they couldn't handle the heat in the kitchen, and they fell away. Things happen, unexpected tragedies, unexpected problems, unanswered prayers, blah, blah, blah. You know, all the questions are going to get answered someday in heaven. Any questions you may have that you may not receive immediate answers now, don't worry about it. The Bible says God knows everything and you can ask him and either you get the answer now or you'll get the answer there, but you'll get the answer, okay? There's nothing that God will ever be confronted with that he has no explanation for, okay? The Bible says the curse causeless does not come. If the curse is active in a person's life in any way, shape, fashion, or form, there's something going on in that person's life that opened the door. Amen. When I'm counseling people, you'd be amazed at how often people try to defer to someone else the responsibilities that they ought to own for themselves. Okay? Can't do that. Okay? We are responsible for our own lives. And in particular, we're responsible for the words we speak. And we were talking about that earlier today, and we'll continue with that here tonight. Look with me, if you would, Proverbs chapter number 8, the book of wisdom. As I said to you during the course of the message this morning, this is in my opinion. Now, I've studied the Bible for 44 years, okay? 
I've done a lot of work overseas where, like I said today, you cannot cruise on someone else's revelation. You better know who you are because it's you against the world out there, okay? We've had Muslim imams jump up on the stage during the middle of my message and try to knife me while I'm preaching. We've had people drive by and shoot into our house. We've had uh, a number of things happen, okay? But we're still here, amen? That, what that does to me, that only fuels the fire, Okay, don't try to take me out. You're going to be very sorry you made that attempt. So, Proverbs chapter number 8, verse number 6. Listen. So he's talking to people to wake up and listen. He said, listen, for I will speak of excellent things. And from the opening of my lips will come right things. Verse 7. For my mouth will speak truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are with righteousness. Nothing crooked or perverse is in them. That would be our conversation. Verse 9, they are all plain to him who understands. There's this understanding business again. We saw this earlier. They are all plain to him who understands and right to those who find knowledge. Okay? Plain to those who understand. As I mentioned earlier today, faith is a language that must be learned. Okay? You don't just become fluent in this. You have to learn how to speak faith like you learned how to speak English. You didn't just, you weren't born into this world and then you can suddenly start talking English or whatever language. You know, you had to learn these things and you have to learn faith. Okay? They're plain to those who understand. They're not plain to those who don't. We're going to see some examples of this in a few minutes. Okay? But it's very interesting. Jesus had this problem from beginning to end in his public ministry. From the start to the time he left, he was constantly being misunderstood by his own disciples, not just the people he preached to out there, the general public, but also his own disciples failed to understand him time and time again. And he was frustrated with it from time to time too. Look with me if you would. Here's some examples of this. Look at... uh, John chapter number 12. John chapter 12, verse number. Let's see. 24, I believe. Ah, Where are my notes here? Look at Luke. We'll go there. Skip John because I can't find it. But it's there. Lord will show me later on. Luke chapter number 12, I do believe. This is not in my notes. That's why I'm sort of looking around here. Nah, forget it. It's not in my notes and I'm not going to search for it. I have other things I can share. Anyway, the point being... There was a moment, I'll just, I'll just uh, phrase what verse I can't find at the moment. It's on another outline that's not here. But anyway, there was a moment when he was arguing. All of his Bible studies ended up in arguments, most of them, at least, okay? He started out teaching, and by the time they were done, they were all arguing with him because he presented things that they were unable to understand, and it was difficult for them, okay? And there's a particular passage in the Bible where they walk up to him and they say, if you are the Christ, tell us plainly. 
And the key word is plainly again, like we read from Proverbs. It's plain to people who understand. It's not plain to people who don't. And so they walked up to him and they said, if, how long do you keep us in doubt? If you are the Christ, meaning if you're our Messiah, tell us plainly. And he answers. And he said, I told you. And you do not believe because you are not of my father and hence you don't believe what I say. He said, I've been telling you for three and a half years I'm your Messiah, but you're not listening. You're not listening because you don't understand me. Okay? And the passage in Luke is where he, he uh, upbraids the people because he said, you know, you people can look at the sky and you at the sun and the weather. You can pick things out, you know, all about the weather, you know, depending upon how the sky looks. You know all about this stuff, but your Messiah is standing right in front of you and you can't see him. You can't recognize him. See? And when you start talking the language of faith, this is what's going to happen to you and to me. You're going to shrink your area of um, friendship considerably. Now, you can be friendly with people, but when you start talking faith, you're going to distance yourself from all the people out there who, stu- who do love the Lord, but they don't speak faith. So you're going to leave them behind. Don't be surprised when that happens. It happens all the time. Okay? I'll give you some examples here. First of all, before we do that, I want you to look at our Heavenly Father God and see what He does. Look with me, if you would, at um, Hebrews chapter number 1. And I made reference to this earlier. Hebrews, the first chapter, first verse. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. It says this, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things through whom also he made the worlds. Verse 3, who, being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power. Please circle that. And notice the arrangement of the words. It doesn't say he upholds all things by the power of his word. The Holy Spirit flipped it and said he upholds all things by the word of his power, meaning to say he wants the reader to understand Everything is held together by the power released when he speaks. All molecular structure, everything. Uh, the, 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 the pulpit, the ground we stand on, the mountains, the sky, the trees, it's all held together by molecular structure, molecules and atoms and all of these things. And all of that is held together by the spoken words of God. Okay, he spoke, go back to Genesis. He spoke and things happened. And we talked about it earlier today. The Spirit of the Lord was hovering but not doing anything until the words were spoken that released the power for him to use. Look at uh, chapter 11 of the same book. You and I, we uphold all things in our life by the word of our power. And the power of our life is the word of God that we put in our mouth. You fill your heart with it. And the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You can actually program yourself so that under pressure, under duress, when you're up against the wall and you unexpectedly face some kind of challenge, some kind of demonic attack, whatever it may be, you weren't expecting it when you're under duress and you don't have time to collect your thoughts. What is down in your heart will come out your mouth automatically under duress. So if I want to know where you've been with the Word of God, all I have to do is give you some kind of unexpected tragedy or trial and watch and listen to what comes out your mouth, and I'll know. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. The key word is the word abundance. 
People read the Bible. Lots of people read the Bible, but it's not down there in abundance. They haven't taken the time to deposit it down in abundance so that under pressure and duress, that's the first thing that comes out of your mouth. Instead of fear and doubt and all the other things that most people speak, even though they go to church on every Sunday morning somewhere, someplace. Okay? Verse 1, Hebrews 11, 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. Then verse 3. By faith we understand. There's the word understand again. That the worlds were framed by the word of God, by the spoken word of God. So the things which are seen were not made of things that are visible. People say, well, God made the earth out of nothing. No, he didn't. He just made the earth out of things you can't see with your eyes. But he used substance, he used power, and he did something with something. He used his faith. His words created everything. Not nothing. He spoke. Okay? The spirit world is the parent world, friends. Not this world. This is the child. The spirit world holds all the cards. That power in that world supersedes anything down here. All the laws of physics, the laws of gravity, the laws of lift, the laws of everything else you can think of. All those laws are subject to the laws that govern the spirit world. And through faith you connect. There's a bridge that you build between the power that's needed in the spirit world to the needs down here where we need that power to manifest. And it's the language of faith that releases and builds the bridge and lets that power pass from that world to this world. It's what we call miracles things that are physically not possible. And Jesus did it from the start to the finish. John said in his gospel, if we tried to chronicle all the miracles he did in three and a half years, the books of the world could not contain them all. 24-7 nonstop, blind eyes open, demons cast out, crippled people walking, demons being you know exercised. I mean, it was all day long, every day of the week for three and a half years. Now, the good news is Jesus said the works that I do, you can do. And greater works can you do. And the greater works, by the way, are leading people into the born-again experience. Jesus never did that because he hadn't died yet. He hadn't paid for our sins yet. So nobody could be born again until he rose and went back to heaven. Now, we're the ones that tell people the good news about Jesus, and they can get born again, and that's the greatest miracle on the planet. Your spirit is actually recreated on the inside. Isn't that amazing? I can tell you're thrilled. The point is, we need to understand and recognize these things so that we can work with God because we understand the process. We understand how the language works. We understand how God works. Well, the Lord works in mysterious ways. Not really. Maybe it seems mysterious to you because you didn't study it out. But he put it all in here. This is the textbook, and the Holy Ghost is the instructor, and we're in class 24-7. And if we're smart, we'll let him teach us because all the answers to your problems are in this book. There's nothing you'll come across in this life where God says, hey, man, that's something I've never accounted before. I don't know what to do here. You're on your own, dude. No, 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 not at all. Look at Romans chapter chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. Verse number, let me see. 16, Romans 4, 16. Okay, Romans 4, 16 says this. 
Therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the, of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all, as it is written. This is verse 17. I have made you, now this is God talking to Abraham. I have made you, have made you. Is that present tense, past tense, or future tense? Have made you. That's past tense. It's already done. I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed, God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. You better remember that. That's how you walk by faith. You call things that do not exist as though they do. Well, you're telling lies. No, I'm not. If that's the case, God's the champion liar of them all. And we know that's not true. We just need to recognize and remember, friends, there are two levels of truth. We have physical truth, spiritual truth. Like I said a moment ago, the spiritual truth always takes precedent over the natural truth. And we're going to see this in a minute from Scripture, how people can flow in both worlds at the simultaneously same time and usurp and take the power from the spirit world and transfer it to this world and see the miracles that we need to see. It's not rocket science. It's just a matter of educating ourselves. Like Proverbs said, to him who understands it's all plain, meaning to him who doesn't, it's Greek. They just don't know where they're coming from. They don't know where God's coming from either. And that's a tragedy, okay? Abraham was called the father of many nations before he even had one child. Go back and read in Genesis. He, he was called Abram. God changed his name to Abraham before there was even one child born. And when he walked into Sarah's tent and told Sarah that God just told me at this time next year, we're going to have a baby. You're going to have a child. She laughed. She burst into laughter. She thought it was a joke. He said, no, 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 no. He said it. In the Bible, if you keep reading, look down with me. Uh, verse number 19. Being not weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old. Now go down to the assisted living home and check out the 100-year-old people and ask yourself if these people can sire children. He was almost 100 years old when God spoke and Sarah was about 90. They are well past the age of having children by decades. But look at what he did. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what God promised he was able also to perform. Hmm. It says he did not consider his own body. Actually, in the Greek, the word not, N-O-T, is not there. The translators added it. He did consider his body. It's like he looked in the mirror, took a good look at himself at the age of almost 100, 99. Took a good look. He looked at him, his body. He looked at Sarah, her body, his wife, almost 90, looked at them in the mirror and said, man. Whew. But then he looked at the promise of God, and God said, at this time next year, she will have a child. He made the decision to trust God, never mind what he saw in the natural. This is where we all fall down. We get our eyes off of what God said over to what we see in the natural, and our faith short circuits, and the bridge is destroyed, and then we wonder why God didn't show up. Someone say amen. amen. If God does this, we're made in the image and likeness of God. 
That's what the Bible says. We're made in his image and likeness. So we can do the same things he does, and Jesus said we could. So either they don't know what they're talking about or, or we don't know what we're talking about. Guess which way that goes. Okay? Look with me, if you would, at Second Kings. We were there earlier today. We looked at verses 1 through 7. Now we're going to look at something beyond that. Second Kings, this is one of my favorite stories in all the Bible. Second Kings chapter 4, verse number 8. We read verses 1 through 7 earlier. Now we're going to keep reading. Okay? This is still talking about Elisha, the prophet. Elisha, not Elijah. Elijah was first. Elisha came after him. Okay? This is verse 8. Now it happened one day that Elisha went to Shunem, where there was a notable woman, and she persuaded him to eat some food. So it was as often as he passed by, he would turn in there to eat some food. And she said to her husband, this would be verse 9, Look, now I know that this is a holy man of God who passes by us regularly, verse 10. Please let us make a small upper room on the wall and let us put a bed for him there and a table and a chair and a lampstand. So it will be whenever he comes to us, he can turn in there. Okay? So they got together and said, listen, he comes by on a frequent basis. He's a man of God. We need to help him out. Why, what can we do? And they say, we, we can build a little house on the side, a little upper room, and, and build a house for him, a little guest room. And so that's what they did, so that whenever he passed by, he's in the area. He knows he can base there. He's got a table and a bed and a chair and a lampstand. He can use that as base of operations and move out from there to cover the territory wherever he's doing business for God in that region of the country. So he's got this little this pit place, okay? So it says in verse 11, it happened one day that he came there and he turned into the upper room and lay down there. So he's going to take a nap. Then he said to Gehazi, his servant, call the Shunammite woman. When he had called her, he, she stood before him. Verse 13. And he said to him, this is Gehazi, say now to her, look, you have been concerned for us with all this care. What can I do for you? Do you want me to speak on your behalf to the king or to the commander of the army? She answers, I dwell among my own people. Okay, no problems there. Verse 14, so he said, what then is to be done for her? Gehazi answers the prophet, says, actually, she has no son, and her husband is old. Same thing like Abraham, same scenario. They've been trying to have children, but they've never been able to have any, and now they're old. So verse 15, so he says to Gehazi, call her in. So when he called her, she stood in the doorway, and then Elijah says to her, about this time next year, you shall embrace a son. Almost identical to what happened with Abraham thousands of years before this. She said, no, my Lord, man of God, do not lie to your maidservant. See, she's upset about it. She thinks he's joking. She's basically saying, this is not a, a laughing matter here. We've been trying for years to have a child. It's a lot, it means a lot to us, and we haven't had any. Don't make light of the situation. It's very emotional for us. That's what she's saying to him. Verse 17, but the woman conceived and bore a son at the appointed time of which Elisha had told her. About a year later, she gave birth to a baby, a miracle baby. And the child grew, verse 18. Now it happened one day that he went out to the father in to the reapers, out in the fields to the reapers, and he said to my father, my head, my head. So he said to a servant, carry him to his mother. Okay, so let's stop for a minute. We don't know how old he is here. In the previous verses, he's a miracle baby, born, you know, conceived in a miraculous setting by the power of God. He's born, okay, to this very elderly couple, 
and it says he grew. Now, we don't know how old he grew to. My guess is about eight or nine years old because he's old enough to go out into the fields to find his father and converse with him. So he's not an infant anymore. He's old enough to walk on his own. I would guess about eight or nine. That'd be my guess, but the Bible doesn't tell us for sure. So he goes out to his father and says, man, I got a headache. I got a splitting headache. Something's wrong here. So the father says, okay, servants, take him back to his mother. We got work to do out here. Take him back to his mother, and she can deal with it. So verse 20, when he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her knees until noon and then died. And she went up and laid the dead body, laid him on the bed of the man of God, shut the door upon him and went out. Then she called to her husband and said, Please send me one of the young men and one of the donkeys that I may run to the man of God and come back. Now the father, not knowing any of this has happened, he wants to know why she wants to go see the prophet. He said to her in verse 23, Why are you going to him today? It's neither the new moon nor the Sabbath. And she said, It is well. Three words. Then she saddled the donkey and said to her servant, Drive and Go forward. Don't slacken the pace for me unless I tell you. In other words, go as fast as you can unless I tell you to slow down. But she's not telling anybody why she's going there. And so she departed and went to the man of God at Mount Carmel. Then, so it was, when the man of God saw her far off, he said to his servant Gehazi, Look, the Shunammite woman, please run now to meet her. Now remember, they haven't seen each other for a number of years because the child has grown. So maybe they haven't had any contact for five, six, or seven years. So when he sees her coming, he tells, he tells his servant, hey, look, check her out. That's, that's the Shunammite woman, the one we prayed with, you know, five, six, seven years ago. Let's find out how she's doing. Go on down there and, and, and talk to her and find out what's been going on. So he does. And here, here it is. Please run now and meet her and say to her, is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with the child? Answer, it is well. It's well with my father. It's well with my mother. It's well with my family. It's well with my husband. It's well with my child. My child's okay. No, according to what we just read, the child's dead. I wouldn't call that well. Up dead on the prophet's bed in his bedroom. I wouldn't call that well. So what's she doing here? Calling things that be not as though they are. Speaking the language of faith. Moving to a higher level here. Now listen to this. When she came to the man of God at the hill, she caught him by the feet. But Gehazi came near to push her away. But the man of God said, let her alone, for her soul is in deep distress, and the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me. So he senses something's wrong. Listen, if someone walks up and grabs you by the feet, won't let go. You don't have to be a spiritual genius to figure out something's up. Amen. He senses something's wrong here. She says, while she's holding on to his feet, she says in verse 20, Did I ask a son of my Lord? Did I not say, do not deceive me? Then he, the prophet, Elisha, says to Gehazi, Get yourself ready. Take my staff in your hand. And be on your way. If you meet anyone, don't greet them. If anyone greets you, don't answer them. Lay my staff on the face of the child. He now understands. She has told him her son is dead without telling him her son is dead. Do you understand what's happening here? She's using the language of faith. She's telling him what happened without telling him what happened. There is no point in this story where the word death or dead is used. It's not there. Is he dead? Physically, 
He's dead. Yes, that's the lower truth. We're not denying the fact that the boy died. What we're doing is we're moving to a higher level of truth and we're operating there with the words we speak. And the prophet, because he knows the language of faith and she's speaking the language of faith, now they're on the same page. So he sends the the servant, go get the kid. Take my staff, go, don't stop along the way. Time is of the essence, go. And when you get to the child, lay your staff on the face of the boy. And he does. But she and the prophet follow. Okay? So Gehazi goes up there, lays the staff on the face of the boy. Nothing happens. Dead body. So he takes the staff off, goes back downstairs, and goes back the way he came. And he meets the mother and the prophet coming. They meet on the road. And, and Gehazi tells them what happened. I put the staff on the face of the child like you said, and nothing happened. Okay? So... He said, look at how he answers. Gehazi went on ahead of them, laid the staff on the face of the child, but there was neither voice nor hearing. Then he went back to him and told the prophet, the child has not awakened. See, even he's not saying he's dead. He's saying the child hasn't awakened. So Elisha came into the house. There was the child lying dead on the bed. This is verse 32. He went in, therefore, and shut the door behind the two of them. He said, you two stay outside prayed to the Lord. He went up and lay on the child, put his mouth on his mouth, his eyes on his eyes, and his hands on his hands. He stretched himself out on the child, and the flesh of the child became warm. Verse 35, he returned and walked back and forth in the house and again went up and stretched himself out on the child. The child sneezed seven times. The child opened his eyes, and he called Gehazi and said, call the Shunammite woman. He did, and she came, and he said, pick up your son, and she did, and went out, and end of story. This is Old Testament. May I remind us, all here tonight, we are under a new covenant, which is a better covenant based upon better promises. If, this is able, if we're able to do th- something like this in the Old Testament, how much more can things like this be done in the New? It's because we don't talk the language. We don't expect these things. Okay? As far as we know, think with me for just a minute. She picked up her son and went out. The father came home from the fields, never knowing what had happened. And as far as we know, he never did. She never told him. Now, she may have, but based upon what we've read here, I don't think she did. He never knew the child had died. He never knew any of this took place because nobody had ever said the child has died or is dead. Not the prophet, not the servant of the prophet, and not the mother. All three of them refused to say the child is dead. Okay? You can look at your wallet and your bank account, and it may say zero balance, but with your faith you can change what you see. I told you before, you can change what you see by changing what you say. You start praising God that your account is full of all the money you need to pay your bills, give your tithe, and give excess into the gospel. You can say, my car is a dependable piece of transportation. It's not some wreck held together with Christian bumper stickers with a big blue glory cloud coming out the back end. That does not glorify God. And it doesn't have to be that way. That doesn't mean to say we have to believe for a Rolls Royce. It just means dependable transportation to get me from point A to point B, paid off, amen? Owe no man anything, the Bible says, but to love one another. So loans are okay as long as you get rid of them as fast as you can. My point is, listen, if this stuff is going on in the Old Testament, 
What about the New Testament? Well, let's look at Jesus for just a minute. Look at Ma- uh, Mark chapter number 5. Oh, by the way, the verse that I was looking for is John chapter 10, verse 24 and 25, which we're not going to go to now. Okay. Mark chapter 5. This is Jesus. Okay, Mark chapter 5. Okay. Verse number 39. Now, if you read the earlier verses of the chapter, he's on his way somewhere, and Jairus, the father, the ruler of the synagogue, comes to Jesus, falls down at his feet, begs him, would you please come back to my house right away? My daughter is very sick, and she's dying. And I know that if you get there before she dies, she'll be healed. We've all heard about you. The rabbi from Nazareth, we've all heard about the miracles. The whole country is talking about you. I know that if you get there, she'll live. I just know this. So Jesus said, okay, I'll follow you. So they're on, they're on their way. And on the way, the woman with the issue of blood comes along from behind and touches the hem of his garment. Power flows out from Jesus, and he stops. He says, who touched me? And the crowd is incredulous. What do you mean, who touched you? Man, all these people are touching you. There's throngs of people. He said, yeah, 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 but somebody touched me with the touch of faith. I felt the power leave me. And she, he's looking around. And the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what has been done to her, because she was immediately healed, after 12 years of bleeding, 12 years of bleeding, she spent all her money to all the quack doctors, no better, all the money's gone. She's still bleeding. She has some kind of urinary issue, whatever it is, and bleeding. And, no, and, and immediately she touches him, and it's gone. 12 hard years of work of the devil, gone in an instant. And she knows. She can feel it in her body. She's healed. She goes to Jesus, falls down, tells him the whole story. And he says, woman, great is your faith. Your faith has made you well. Be it done unto you. And if I'm Jairus, the father, standing there waiting, listening to this, if I'm that, that guy, I'm thinking, we don't have time for this. We got to get to my house now. My daughter is dying. You can bring her along, Jesus, and talk to her later. That's fine. You can come along and tell your story later. Lord, we got to get moving. But to his credit, he shut up and said nothing. But then the servant showed up from his house and said, bad news, your daughter has died. Too late. Don't trouble Jesus anymore. But then Jesus replies and says, hey, don't be afraid. Only believe. Now, if I'm the father, my head is racing. What do you mean only believe? I've just been told my daughter's dead. You know, there's grief, there's shock, there's disappointment. And then he says this. He says, come on, let's keep going. We're not done here. So they reach the house. Verse 39. When he comes in, he says to all the weepers and wailers and the criers, why do you make this commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but only sleeping. Well, is she dead or is she not dead? Does Jesus tell the truth or not? Is she dead? Yeah, the Bible says she's dead. She's been dead for hours. Stop breathing. Physically, she's dead. But he's moving to a higher level once again. He's moving to a higher level of faith. She's not dead. She's only sleeping. Okay? We're not denying the fact that she died. We're simply moving to a higher level where this truth can change the lower truth. Someone say amen. <clears throat> you know, Rich over here is a professional pilot. He'll tell you there's laws of lift. There's laws of gravity. And you've, if you build an airplane to a certain configuration and move it forward at a certain speed and do certain things with flaps and rudders, every time it will go into the air. Because we found out there are laws of lift and laws of force and laws of gravity and laws of, you know, whatever. All the laws. Some laws are higher than other laws. Are you listening? 
The airplane flies as long as the law of gravity is suspended because of the speed and the shape of the plane and the, the, the way the air moves over the wings and all that jazz. He can tell you more about it. But the point is, stop the engines, quit the airspeed, drop the airspeed, and see what happens. The gravity is still there. You've just suspended it until you can land that plane, and then it's on the ground and gravity takes over. But you move it forward at a certain speed, at a certain time, at a certain shape. Every se- you've never seen, you've never gotten on an airplane where the, ca- the captain gets on for the opening comments before the plane leaves and says, I'd like to welcome you all to United Airlines Flight 4747. We're going to do our best to take off today. We're not sure it's going to happen. We're going to go down to the end of the runway and start the engines and move forward. Let's just all agree in faith and prayer that we're going to take off and go to Dallas. That's not the way they talk. They say, we're going to fly. We're going to get up at 35,000 feet, fly for an hour and a half, and land in Houston. Why? Because they've discovered laws at work. The higher laws supersede the lower laws every single time because those are laws. Amen. There's the law of faith. You can't deny it. If you change what you say, what you say will change what you see. It may take longer than you think, but these things work. Are you listening? If Jesus did it and he says we can do it, then we can do it. Okay, he did the same thing with Lazarus. We don't have time. We could could be here for hours. You know, he did the same thing with Lazarus. He said to his disciples, Lazarus is not dead. He's only sleeping. Okay, and he stayed where he was two more days because he wanted to wait until Lazarus died so that he could be there to raise him from the dead. He said, let's wait for a couple days. After Martha came along and said, he whom you love is sick. Really? All right. Let's extend the campsite rental for two more days. We've got to just hang out here for a while. Waiting until he dies so he can come and take care of business. You know, he showed up and said, you know, loose him and let him go. And he came out from the gravesite. Okay, Jesus did this over and over and over again. Now, here's my point. If you're going to become fluent in faith, you can expect to be misunderstood, maligned, and be laughed at just like they did with Jesus. That at the end of the day, you're going to be the one that has the blessings of God, and they're going to be the ones standing there with their mouths on the floor, unable to explain what they just saw. Do you understand that in the last days, it's the miracles of God that is going to carry the day when the world is falling apart in fear? It isn't going to be just polished sermons. It's going to be the raw power of God that convinces people Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's never changed. He's still the same miracle work in Jesus. Someone say amen. Go read the book of Acts. Angels were appearing. People were walking through jail cell doors. You know, this stuff didn't just go away. It didn't just, they didn't retire. The angel didn't retire and go back to heaven. He's still around. He can still do these things. What we need to do is get on the same page with God, which means you alter your vocabulary dramatically, dramatically. And you think before you speak. And you start talking like God talks, calling things that be not as though they are. Are you listening? This is the way it works. And, you know, Jesus, his own sermons, the one in John 6, he says, I am the true food from heaven. Jews, you've got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. If you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you've got no part in me. You have no eternal life. And when he got done with that sermon, his own disciples turned to each other and said, this is a hard saying. Who can understand it? And he turned to his disciples, his 12. He said, are you also going to go away? Because the Bible says a bunch of people left him. After that sermon, they said, this is, this is too deep for us. Sorry, we're going back to the synagogue. 
And he turned to his disciples and said, what about you? You going to go away too? Meaning to say, I'm not changing, so you better adapt. And then Peter, you know, well, where are we going to go, Lord? You've got the words of eternal life. You know, every so often Peter really shined and stood up to the, to the, to the situation. But then 10 minutes later, you know, get behind me, Satan. You know, up and down with Peter. Roller coaster ride he was. But the point is, I want to get you to a place where you start using your mouth to create situations where God would be embarrassed not to move miraculously in your life. Well, I just have these kids. They just—they're rebellious. They're on drugs. They're whatever. I don't care. I don't care how things look today. Stop looking at how things look today and start changing what you say about the way things look today. And then tomorrow, somewhere down the road, I tell people, "Are you in a hurry? Do you need somewhere to go?" I'm just so tired of standing. Well, stand some more. Okay, where are you going to go? You got, a, got a, an appointment somewhere where you don't want to stand in faith anymore for people you love? Uh, you know, you may stand in faith for 15 years. What difference does it make? How does that stack up against eternity? You're going to give up now and let, them ha- let the devil have them forever in a lake of fire? I don't think so. Not if you really love these people. Yeah, we get tired. Yeah, we get exhausted. I understand it. I got that part. But, you know... The Bible says, in your patience, possess your souls. Patience, patience, patience. Amen? I've stood in faith for some things for 20 years, and I saw the results. I stood in faith for 20 years. Caleb stood in faith for 45. Remember that from earlier today? 45 years, okay? The Bible says, through faith and patience, people inherit the promises of God. Go back and study. Noah waited 120 years. Moses, 40 years on the backside of the desert. Caleb, 45 years. Abraham, 25 years. These are the heroes of faith we read about. And may I remind you guys that everything we read in here is hand-selected by the Holy Spirit. So that story in 2 Kings 4, the Holy Spirit chose to put that in there and chose to give it to us in such great detail that we could read it and understand it. Okay? These guys didn't just sit down and write what they felt like writing. It was the Holy Spirit that told them what to write, told them what miracles to record, read them. They're in here so that we can see what they did so that we can do what they did because we operate under a better covenant based upon better promises. It just takes the education and the understanding of the process to get it into motion in your life. Amen? Well, the doctor said there's no hope. The doctor isn't Jesus. They are practicing medicine. And guess who they're practicing on? Us. Sometimes they get it right, and a lot of times they don't. There's malpractice, okay, like lawyers practicing law. Sometimes they win their case, and sometimes they don't. They're practicing law. Doctors practice medicine. Jesus doesn't practice anything. What he says goes. It's final authority. When we agree, then we put all of heaven in operation on our behalf. Psalms 103, verse 20 says, Angels hearken to the voice of the spoken word. You know, right now in this room, there are thousands of angels in the room right now. Just because you can't see them doesn't mean they're not here. They were here. They were here before we even existed. They're here. They are ministering spirits, the Bible says, sent to minister to the heirs of salvation. That's us. They're here to help us, but they wait until we speak the word of God and then they go to work on our behalf. Unfortunately, 
they've been assigned to people who don't give them anything to work with because their words are just confusion, fear, chaos, unbelief, double-mindedness, triple-mindedness, and the angels stand there year after year with nothing that they can work with, nothing to do. They can't go out and get any help for these people. They can't stop the devil. They, they, you know, they, all bad things happen and people, why does all this happen to me? It's happening because you, like the tongue we talked about earlier today, you've set in motion the forest fire that's raging in your life with the words you speak. Someone say amen. amen. This is the stuff that needs to be preached in the world today. You can't limit God just because you can't understand how he works. I have no idea how God can hear millions of people talking to him simultaneously and not be the least bit confused. Have you ever thought about this? Have you ever thought about this? Honestly, there are people on the other side of the world right now talking to God. In China, in Russia, in the Philippines, in Japan, in Indonesia, they're talking to God praying and he's listening and how is it he can separate everybody's situation intimately and give them intimate information and and guidance and somehow separate everybody talking at the same time how can he do such things i have no idea but he does amen how can one holy spirit be in everybody and still be one holy spirit you know he doesn't cut himself up into little parts you know, it's one Holy Spirit. How is he in you and me and millions of other people, born-again people on the planet and the ones in heaven already dead and in heaven? How, how can he do that? I don't know, and I don't need to know. It's not my part to know. My part is to believe and to speak according to what I believe, not according to what I understand because there's a lot of things about God we'll never understand, okay? How he does what he does To me, that's very reassuring. Someone say amen. Do you know that you're the apple of his eye, that he loves you? Do you realize he loves you? If God be for us, nobody can be against us. We forget these things. We think we're out here all on our own. We're not out here on our own. He loves us. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. He's waiting for cooperation, verbal cooperation. Amen. I want to cooperate. Like I said earlier today, the Lord's told me more than once, would you please shut up? Quit talking. The more you talk, the worse it gets. Just shut up. Quote my word. There's all kinds of things in the book that talk about this. We don't need to go there. But the point is, give God something to work with. Amen? That's right. We've had mothers that were praying for babies. I've prayed for a bunch of mothers that weren't mothers. And we're having trouble conceiving. And we prayed and I said, from now on, you talk about the child that you are going to give birth to. And we pray and a year or two later, I get emails, I get phone calls, I get text messages. They're, you know, they're proud parents of a healthy girl, a healthy boy. You know, this has happened many times. The point is, if I can get people to join up and hook up with God, all things are possible to him who believes. All things are possible. He didn't say most. Some, a few, all things are possible to him who believes. Now, either that's true or it's a lie, and we know it's true. Amen? Listen, with, what the, with, with, with the garbage coming down the road, should Jesus tarry? You think it's bad now? Hide and watch. The devil has uncovered himself, and he is very unashamed about what he's attempting to do. He is trying to kill you. 
He's trying to destroy this country. You know why? Because this country is missions-minded. You know why he's after America? To shut down the Great Commission. He doesn't want people traveling, missionaries going, churches running church services. He doesn't want to see people preaching the gospel. It's all about him destroying souls, and it's all about God saving souls. That's what all of this COVID garbage is all about, killing people before their time. How many people have died before their time because of that pandemic? It's a pandemic. It's not a pandemic. It's a pandemic. Okay? Understand the situation and live your life accordingly. Amen? Close your eyes. Bow your heads for just a minute. Heavenly Father, dear Jesus, help us all. Help us all. Yours truly included. Lord, we need to get a handle on this. Your Bible, your word is full of instruction from the front to the back on this. You've put stories in here from people who implemented and used the laws of faith and the language of faith, and they saw miracles. And Jesus, Lord, you did it yourself, and those stories were put in the Bible for us to read. The Holy Spirit put them in here for us to read. So we can see what we need to do and how we need to do it. And then we let you be great. We let you be great in our lives. We do what we can so that you can do what we can't. I thank you for this church, Harvest Church. It's all about the harvest. People coming into this place need to sense your power and your presence. And they need to be surrounded by people speaking faith, not fear, not doubt, not unbelief. None of it. Just faith in this place. And as you said earlier today, Lord, you said no good thing shall be withheld from us when we do this. We want to praise and thank you for this. And tonight, Lord, as we shift gears and minister to people's needs physically, I know their heart is ready to receive. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. And I know that power is present right now to heal. It is present in this room, in this building now. Lord, there were times when people just touched your clothing and they were healed. There were times when you just said a word and someone went off somewhere else and found out that their people were healed and you never touched them. There's power present in this building. Where it goes is completely up to us. So help us prepare for what you endeavor to do here tonight. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. First of all, again, I want to make sure everybody's right with the Lord spiritually. Most everybody I see was here today, but I do see a few people that weren't here this morning. Listen, if you want to make sure that you're on your way to heaven, you need to seal it with the words of your mouth, not your church attendance, not selling Girl Scout cookies, not being a good person, none of this. You are saved by faith in the work that Jesus did for you. Like I said earlier today, we are not a conquering army. We are an occupying army. The conquering has been done. The devil has been defeated. Amen? He is not the roaring lion. He walks around as a roaring lion. But Jesus pulled his teeth. He's got nothing but bad breath and hot air. He just, uh, you know, he runs around and threatens people with nothing. All he can do is get them to believe that he's something that he isn't anymore. Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. There is no other lion. It's Jesus. So if you're here tonight as a good person, trusting in your good works, church membership, selling Girl Scout cookies, whatever, to somehow earn a place in heaven, 
the devil has deceived you. I know I was a Roman Catholic. I thought for 26 years I was okay with God because I did everything they told me to do. I'm not criticizing them. I'm simply saying that's where I come from. My family was Roman Catholic, very devout. I went to Catholic grade school, Catholic high school. I did all of those things they told me to do. You know, even thought about being a priest at one point in my high school days. That's how diligent I was to be a good Catholic person. But I wasn't saved. If I died, I'd gone straight to hell. I was not born again. No one told me I had to be born again. They told me I had to be a Catholic, just like people tell you to be a good person or, you know, be a good Lutheran or be a good Methodist or be a good Baptist, okay? The labels don't count. They don't mean anything. What means, what matters to God is the heart. Is He in your heart? Is He the Lord of your life? Someone say amen. So if you're here tonight and that's not a question that you can settle, then we need to do that right now. Okay? So again, bow your heads and close your eyes for just a minute. I'm going to invite anybody here that is not ready to meet Jesus. You're not sure. If you're not sure, then I'm talking to you because I'm sure. And I want you to be sure too. Okay? If you're not right with the Lord, you're in the right place at the right time. You can change and make sure that if you were to die tonight, the next person you would see would be Jesus Christ. And all you need to do is reach out by faith and use your words to seal the deal. The Bible says, with our heart we believe, with our mouth we confess. Heart and mouth. First the heart to believe, then the mouth to confess. That's how this works. That's true for anything. Financial blessings, healing, prosperity, marital uh, healing for a marriage, healing for a family relationship. It's all done because we believe something in our heart and say something with our mouth. Okay? So let's say something together. All right, now if it's you, you know that when you're speaking, God's listening. He's listening to everybody. Like I said a minute ago, how he does it, I don't know, but he does. He hears everybody individually and collectively simultaneously. I have no idea how it happens, but it does. So let's all say this together. And if you're the one and you know it's not right, things are going on in your life that you know aren't right, you've been lukewarm, you used to be on fire for the Lord, but now it's meh. It's raining today, so I won't go to church. Yeah, I don't feel like it today. Yeah, I'll go. I'll come next week. And, you know, next thing you know, weeks have passed by. That's not the way to live your life for Jesus in these last days. You can't afford to be, you can't afford to be like that anymore. So let's, let's seal the deal. Let's say this out loud. Everybody together, even if you are right with God, say this out loud to support the people who might be saying it for the first time or for the first time in a long time, okay? You support them with your confession too. Let's all say this together to the Lord. Remember out loud. Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you tonight and I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, that you died on the cross, paid for my sins, and rose from the dead. So I decide by my free will that from now on I make you the Lord of my life. I'm not the Lord of my life. You are. And I submit my will to you. And I am sorry for all my sins and all my mistakes. But right now, I receive my forgiveness. And I am cleansed by your blood. Thank you, Jesus, for not giving up on me. Amen. Praise the Lord. Now, if you're here physically and have issues, 
I want you to stand up. Let's all stand. We've all been sitting, so we'll do this. We'll stand together. Okay. If I'm talking about you and you need something physically done in your body that is a, physically, a physical problem that you know should not be there, whether it be a disease, an allergy, whatever the case may be, I'm here to tell you that the power of the Lord is present to heal. I can feel it. Okay? I can feel it. Okay? And I want to lay hands upon you because with the apostolic office comes some standard equipment. Thanks, guys. Move that out of the way for me. Appreciate it. Standard equipment. Okay? Power through the hands. The Bible talks about laying hands on people. Now, there's other ways to do it, but tonight this is the instructions given by the Lord. So if it's you that I'm talking to, I don't care what it is, chronic this, chronic that, reoccurring problems, inflammation, you name it, diabetes, blood order, blood disorders, cancers, heart disease, mental problems, whatever it may be, you come, up, you come on up here and let me lay hands on you and let God be great in your life, okay? If it's you, come on up. And if there's more than, you know, just a single foul line, we'll make room along the sides and we'll get everybody, we'll minister to everybody, okay? Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to ask uh, Nate and some of the other gentlemen to stand behind people as I lay hands upon them, okay? Now, if you're, if you're in the second line, don't worry, okay? What I want the second line to do is just back up a little bit. Just give these people space in case the Holy Spirit knocks them down, which happens frequently. Which, by the way, look at me. Look at me. Young man, look at me, please. If you get, if you, the power of God hits you and you start to let go, let go. Okay, there'll be people standing behind you. I won't lay hands upon you until there is. But I've been, I've been where you stand right now. I've been in these lines. And when the power of God hits you, you will go down. Okay, I've tried my best not to, but it's, it's ridiculous. Just yield to it. Let the Lord minister to you. Okay? Don't try to stand when you feel the power of God flow through your body because you'll end up doing something like this, and it looks like it's a spiritual hokey pokey. And you don't need that, okay? You don't need that, all right? Let God be great, okay? Now, if you don't feel it and, you know, don't make something happen, it's fine. Whether you fall or don't fall does not indicate whether you get healed. It's your faith that does it. But if you reach out with your faith, that is a common reaction. So don't be afraid of it. Just understand it for what it is. You concentrate on Jesus and what he wants to do inside of your body, whatever you need for him to do. Because by his stripes, you were, past tense again, you were healed. Okay? So I'm going to start over here with this young lady at this end. We're going to move this way. Okay? I want you guys to think about Jesus on the cross. On the cross. His back was whipped wide open. The Bible in the Hebrew, when we say by his stripes, plural, it's not stripes in the Hebrew, it's singular. His back was so whipped wide open, it was just one raw, open flesh from one side of his back to the other. There were no stripes. There was one big stripe. And he did that so that you tonight could be healed. That's how much he loves you. Okay? So I want you to be prepared for this. All right? You may feel something when I lay hands upon you. You may not. 
it's again it's not a feeling but if it's there enjoy it okay I've been on the floor I've been on the floor for 45 minutes in some cases I mean the power of God was just there and uh, they finished the service and I was still on the floor okay it may or may not happen I, my point is just be ready for whatever God wants to use his power to do in you okay and I want you to be thinking about Jesus don't be thinking about what's happening anywhere else you be thinking about Jesus and your need okay because I'm telling you about the spirit of God this church Pastor Mike you hear me well this church is a healing center it's been ordained to be a healing center physical healing and mental healings are going to be taking place here it will be the miracles that happen in this building that are going to spread the word about your church the miracles not just the message thank you Father so when I lay hands on you guys just let the power of God do what the power of God does okay congregation and you're not in the line be praying in tongues okay don't be just standing around participate use your mouth and speak and let the Holy Spirit join you with what's happening here okay we're all working together here
stay down there, brother. Okay. In the name of Jesus, receive that healing for that person. Pass around in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. When answered. Okay, tell her we did this in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Put your hands on her, Father. Put your hands on Nancy when you get home. Power is in your hands for her. Powers in your hands for her. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Let that power flow in my brother. In the name of Jesus. Receive that power in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. I have a work for you, sir. I have a work that's been yours, and you're not going to run from this anymore because it's going to be so enjoyable you won't want to. You're going to pass this word to people that will never hear from others like us. But they're going to hear it from you. Because it's not going to be just what you say. It's going to be how they see your life has changed. The power of God being with him. So you understand and recognize and understand that you have a part to play. And it's very important that you understand this. And receive my anointing. Because the people that know you need to know me. So don't be afraid of it. Just embrace it. And I'll open the doors for you. You won't have to do that. But when, but when I do, walk through those doors and be confident of my power. And you'll see what I can do if you open those doors. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. There was a word given earlier today at the end of the first service. And so if you weren't around... Uh, there was, and I was uh, talking to Pastor Brad about it, and he said it's been recorded, so I'm going to encourage you to get a copy of that word that was spoken at the end of the morning service by the Lord about what he wants to use this church to do. Hey, just stay down there, brother. Enjoy the moment, man. Hallelujah. It's like taking a bath that you never, never get Praise the Lord. I'll do that. Say it. Very strong in here. place at the right time. Camp at my doorstep and listen to my word. Clarity will come to you in ways that you never expected, but they're going to come to you, and the two of you are going to be used by my spirit in many significant ways, in ways that even at this moment you don't really realize and recognize yet, but you will. So spend your time with me. Spend your time communing with me. I've put you together so that you too can create synergy together and do more as a couple than you ever could as individuals in my army and in my perfect will. So understand, in the name of Jesus, receive that anointing. In the name of Jesus, let that power flow. And in your hands, let the power of God flow through these hands to the people that meet you. Put your hands on their body. Put your hands on them and let my power pass from me to you and through you to them. And don't be surprised when people start telling you that they felt my power when you put your hands on them.
Hallelujah. Let's all pray in tongues for a few minutes. Everybody, pray in tongues for a few minutes. God might not be finished. He might be finished, but let's make sure. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus. 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 There are a few people in the building that are uncomfortable with tongues. I'm, I'm addressing you for a moment in love. You don't have to be afraid of this. This is not something weird and, you know, out there somewhere. This is a heavenly language that God gives. It's not squirrely. It's not weird. It's a great gift and a great weapon that the Holy Spirit gives to Christians who want it because you pray, the Holy Spirit actually gives you the words to pray about situations that you don't know everything about. You know, we, you know, we need help. We don't, we don't know everything about the things we pray about. But God does. That's why praying in tongues is such a valuable weapon because the Holy Spirit gives you words to speak over situations that you don't have all the answers for. You don't have all the information for. Or you could be actually praying in tongues for people in Africa or Asia or in Omaha. You don't know where your prayers go. I encourage you, don't run from this. Don't, don't be afraid of it. There's nothing to be afraid of. It's a gift from God. And if you've been filled with the Spirit, exercise the gift. Pray in tongues every day. Amen. Don't neglect the gift that's in you. Paul said to Timothy, stir up the gift. Stir it up. And he said to the Corinthians, I pray in tongues more than all of you people. He set the example. Paul did this. Okay, it's not something to be afraid of. It's not weird. It's not demonic and all of this baloney. They don't know what they're talking about. Okay, we're not strange people here. Okay, we just want all that God has for us. I want all that God has. How about you? I want all. If He's offering this to me, I want to take it because it's going to help me. It's going to help me. We need all the help we can get. All right. Did this help anybody tonight, Mama? You can stay down there. And just relax. Just stay put. If you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, you can come on up here and we'll. Anybody? No, we're not going to Praise the Lord. Well, just be aware of the fact that Pastor Mike and Kathy are always available to help you. Okay? Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Well, looky here. A bold, brave young lady. Would you like to be filled with the Holy Spirit, man? I'm proud of you. Okay? So what I'm going to do, I'll lay my hands on you. Okay, now here's another one. Good. Praise the Lord. Here you guys. Listen to me. I'm going to lay hands on you. Okay? Nothing weird. Nothing strange. Okay? And the power of God's going to come into you in, in new ways, deeper ways. Deeper. Okay? It's still the power of God, but it's deeper than just what you had before. And out of your mouth will flow words that are not English words, but they're words that God understands. They'll come up out of your heart. They'll come up out of your heart, right up here out of your mouth. He'll give you the words, but you have to do the speaking. Okay? So I gotta hear you, I gotta see you. Okay? The Holy Spirit's gonna move. Okay? 
everybody stretch out your hand to these three candidates here. Strong people. Because if you're not game, nothing's going to happen. Do you really want this? You? Lions, not sheep? Okay. All right. Praise the Lord. Everybody, lay your, stretch out your hands. So I'm going to lay your hands up on you guys. Then I want you to start talking in other tongues. Okay, if you heard me talking. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this. Be filled with the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus. Everybody start praying in tongues in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus. for your free will. He waits for you to cooperate. He's always ready. There's never a point where you're going to say, I, I feel like I need to pray in tongues, and the Holy Spirit says, sorry, got no words for you today. Just wait until I have some more words to feed you, to give you a new spirit. He's always with us. He's always ready. So we start, we can stop. Okay? And listen, the more you do it, the more fluent it becomes. When I first got filled with the Spirit, I had like seven words, and I kept saying them for a couple of days couple of days didn't make any sense to me but then just at one moment it was like the dam burst and just just came 
rolling out of me, but it took a couple days, and that's okay, okay? But you'll feel that power down deep inside, okay? And that's the power that we look for to witness to people with the power that is different. I can be around Christians, and I can just listen to them talk, and I can tell whether they've been filled with the Spirit or not. It just changes you. It adds, it's like supercharging your engine, okay? you still got an engine, but it's supercharged, okay? And it's for the business of winning souls. Amen? Pray in tongues every day, friends. Use the gift. Use the gift. The more you use it, the more comfortable you will become with it, and the more fluent you become with it, okay? Sometimes it just happens, and sometimes it's, it's a gradual process. But I believe, and here's what I want you to say. You've been hearing, hearing these messages twice today. You start thanking the Lord, I am filled with the Holy Spirit. And I pray in other tongues. Thank you, Lord, for my heavenly language. Thank you, Lord, I pray in tongues more than they all. Say it, and then expect it to start to happen. All those things that be not as though they are. All right, Pastor. What a service. Go ahead and be seated just a minute. We have one more opportunity to bless Apostle Mike, and let's do it. Let's do the best that we can. Amen. If you need an envelope tonight for your giving, I was, I asked Apostle Mike. You know, he is a man of faith, but there are needs. Everyone has needs. They have a ministry, a large ministry, and a lot of people on the payroll. And so I know they would appreciate the fact that we give the best that we can tonight. Make checks payable to Harvest Church. We give our guests every penny. Amen. I was tickled. Apostle Mike said that Ethel, the last thing she's one of the last things she said, you're going to Mike and Kathy Gardner's church, they'll take care of you. Amen. So that says a lot about you folks, doesn't it? One thing that, that, that occurred to me tonight, um, I've been dealing with physical things. A lot of people have been dealing with physical things. And you said it because the enemy knows what this church has been established to do is to be a healing center. And so he's going to do everything that he can to stop us. But whatever's bound on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever's loosed on earth is loosed in heaven. The spirit of infirmity is bound. In the name of Jesus. And healing is loosed in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We war with our words. Right? Amen. Anything else? Announcement-wise, Patriots United, Tuesday night at 6. And church Wednesday. God bless you and thank you for supporting the man of God. If you didn't get your uh, materials back there, there's a few left. Amen.